0: Praise the Lord. I'm so glad to be here tonight with all of you folks and everybody out there in Livestream land. Welcome. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Gary and Nancy. I, they might be out there listening, I'm not sure, for inviting me back because it's always good when they ask you back, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you think, oh, oh, I don't know if I did a very good job last time, but we're practicing, right? It's, we're always practicing what God's called us to do. So I'm just going to open in prayer, and I'll share what the Lord has given me to share with you tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you and thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we are your children, and you sent your Son, Jesus, to die for us, to give us new life, to make us new creations. And Father, tonight we invite your presence, the Holy Spirit, to be with all of us to be with myself, to give me the words, to be able to articulate what you want me to say tonight to everyone here and and all those that are listening. And we pray that you'd come and touch our hearts and reveal secrets in our hearts that may be hidden that we're not aware that are there. And as a result of hearing your word tonight, I pray that we would receive freedom because as we continue in your word, We know the truth, and the truth sets us free. And thank you, Father, for freeing us. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's one of the amazing things about the Word of God. It brings freedom. And the last time I was here, if some of you were here, you might remember I spoke about um, some scriptures that had changed my life. And that's where the freedom comes. When you get in the word and you study it and you hear it, you meditate on it, and then the circumstances of life happen, and you've got to put it into action. And that's where that revelation comes, and that's where you're changed. Our minds are renewed, so we don't think the way we used to think. So I'm kind of going to pick up where I left off last time, But I'm going to take us on a little journey first before we get back there and sort of build a foundation. And when I was seeking the Lord, this is what he laid on my heart, was a little different than what I thought I was going to talk about. But um, it's a very interesting topic, and maybe we don't think about it a lot, but it can make a huge difference in our lives how we view this. And I'm going to speak on um, authority, the authority among men, and our submission to authority. So to begin with, the ultimate authority, of course, is God himself. And the Bible is full of scriptures that tell us that. And I'm just going to read a, a few of them to you because there's so many. But I like this one in Isaiah 45, 18. It says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. That, that's kind of it right there. He is the Lord and there is no other. There may be people that think they're lords, but they're all under the authority of God, whether they realize it or not. Now, in the book of Daniel, when Daniel was interpreting a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar, he made the statement that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will. And one of our favorite scriptures is Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. And we often focus on that part of it, and that, that's a great sentence right there. But it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's why we should be still and know that he is God, because he's got the last word. And in the book of Revelation... I I love this scripture too. It says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So ultimately, God is going to reign. So he is the ultimate authority. But it says in in Romans 13, which we'll be looking at later, all authority comes from God. God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So God has established order or authority among men on the earth. And there are different levels of authority. And the one that God really emphasized to me as being foundational is the authority of a mother and father. Now, the Ten Commandments include... One commandment that commands us to honor our mother and father. I'm just going to read them. This commandment appears twice in the Old Testament, and it said, Honor your father and your mother, that your na- days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And then in Deuteronomy, it's repeated again, Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. And then if we come over to the New Testament, it's in the New Testament again, so it's still for us in the New Testament. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And I think this is perhaps an overlooked commandment. This is a very important one. And if you're not having a good long life, this could be the reason. It could be other things, but it's always good to have a look at this commandment and make sure that you're honoring your mother and father. And this can be probably very controversial because we all know that not all mothers and fathers... Are really worthy of honor. There are absentee mothers and fathers. There are abusive and neglectful mothers and fathers. There are mothers and fathers that really don't know what they're doing, and they're busy, and they're struggling. And then there's a, a whole bunch that are just trying to do their best. They don't always get it right, but they're trying to do their best. So it, it is hard if you are a child with an abusive parent. I have to admit, that's a hard one. But if you, I think most people have parents that are just trying to do their best. You know, when I think of, when I was growing up, of course, I probably heard this commandment, but I never thought about it. I don't think kids really think too much about this unless your parents really drill it into you. And But I had strict parents, you know, and they were, they were the kind of parents that were trying to do their best and... The thing is, when you're a kid and your your parents are saying, you can't do this and you can't do that, you don't understand why. You just know that they're raining on your parade. And you tend to be resentful. You know, I, I don't know about you, but there were times when my parents would say, no, you can't do that, and I'd go... I wouldn't let them see me because I'd be in big trouble if they saw me complaining. But, you know, you go off to your room muttering and saying nasty things behind their back. So that is common, I think, with kids, because we don't know any better. We're sinners, and we don't know any better, and we're selfish, and we just want what we want. But then when we grow up, we realize, especially if we get to be parents ourselves, we we understand (laughs) why they were saying what they were saying, and now we're trying to tell our kids the same thing and getting the same results. But... You know, even if you have really great parents and they're trying to do their best, it's it's hard to avoid those situations in which there can be conflict or bad feelings. And you can even develop a very rebellious spirit if you don't deal with it. And the reason why it's so important with parents is because it affects... Every other area of authority that you're going to run into in life, it's going to affect the way you behave in school with your teachers and your future employer. (laughs) And um, even the, the law, you know, you can be in trouble with the law if you don't learn to respect authority. And, of course, the government as well. You may not obey the laws of the land. So it's very important to learn to honor your mother and father, and even if you didn't when you were a child, it's not too late to start now. Even if your parents are gone, it's not too late to do business with God and ask for forgiveness for your attitude, because we want to respect that office. Even if they don't always get it right, we want to respect the office, because God put parents there for a reason. I'm just going to read another scripture here in in Ephesians. It says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, one of the reasons that children should honor their parents is so that they can grow up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I don't know how much of that goes on nowadays, but even if they're not training you up in the ways of the Lord... They're probably teaching you some good values, some good habits that you're going to need in life. So that's one of the reasons it's important to honor your parents. And they're also there to nurture you and to protect you, because they're older and wiser. Most parents are. I know there's exceptions. So the Lord really emphasized this one to me as I was preparing this. This is so foundational. And if you search your heart and you you find that there's some things in there between you and your parents that haven't been dealt with, start with God. And if you're able to, if they're still around and you're able to make amends and reconcile, that's a good thing to do. And to care for them as they get older. Do what you can to help them. So I'm just going to continue on in the family area, because there are some other areas of authority here, which can be controversial. It says, um, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And just to sum it up, nevertheless... This is to the husbands now. Let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So some people might not like that one, but somebody's got to be the chief and make the decisions. You know, that's the way it is in life. Somebody's got to be in charge and make decisions, and... There are going to be times, if a husband is wise, he's going to let his wife have the last word because sometimes she knows better. And it, it's, you know, in this passage in, um, in Ephesians, it says, um, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So in a sense, we all should be submitting to one another at times. So even in the marriage... Sometimes the husband might submit to the wife, but overall, God has given the responsibility to the husband, so they're accountable. The wives aren't accountable, the husbands are. And so that, that just creates a, a sense of peace in the home, so there shouldn't be jockeying for position there, you know. <laughs> And uh, just a a few more scriptures along this line, because we don't want abuse in this. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. So that, if if the husband's doing his part, it's easier for the woman to do her part. And children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. This is another reason why children should honor their parents, because it pleases the Lord. If you want to please God, that's one way to do that. And fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So again, the authority of the parents is not to provoke the children lest they become discouraged. Now another area of authority is the church. In our church here, we have pastors they are sort of the, the top of the hierarchy here. Well, under God, under Jesus, but a, a, among men, they're in authority. And we have some elders here tonight. They're people of authority. And let's see what the New Testament has to say about those who rule over us. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. So that is one reason why we need to submit to them. They have to give an account of themselves to God, and it makes their job a lot easier if we're not fighting them. We might not always agree with what they say and do, but it's the attitude of the heart that counts here. And it says, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So we want them to be able to carry out what God has given them to do with joy and not grief. We don't give our pastors any grief, do we, Pastor Paul? No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, And now in 1 Thessalonians, we read, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. So we recognize their labor and esteem them very highly because of the work they have to do. They've got to hear from God and and bring the Word of God to us, and uh, they've probably got a whole lot of other things to do, right, Pastor Paul? (laughs) A few other things. So we might not even know what they all are, but we honor you. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the Word and Doctrine. Another reason to honor those. It says double honor. And so the Lord has given the responsibility and accountability to pastors to lead the flock of God. And so we need to honor them so that we can be at peace, all be on the same page, be one. God can really work in that kind of a atmosphere. And as I said before, that uh, the word does say, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, one other area of government I want to mention, I know, again, it's one of these controversial areas, it's civil government. So the Bible does have some things to say about civil government. And everyone's got an opinion on it, <laughs> but let's, let's see what the word says. Everyone, this is Romans 13.1, if you want to follow along. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. So just to keep it simple, the purpose of government is to strike fear in people who are doing wrong. But if you're doing right to honor you, that's what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, And then in Second Peter 2... We see, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors, as those who were sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And as Jesus put it, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and, the, and to God the things that are God's. And again, in Second Peter, the, the governing authorities, their purpose is for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. And of course, to keep law and order, to keep us from running amok and doing our own thing. The problem is, and and I know through the history of the world and, and even in our own day, this isn't always the case. It's almost the opposite. They punish the good and let the evildoers go free. And so as believers, you know, how do you handle a situation like that? How do you honor authority when the authorities are asking you to do things that are contrary to the word of God. And there's a a good example of this in the book of Acts chapter 4. And this is just after the day of Pentecost. And Peter has already preached his message, and 3,000 people have been saved. And then he and John go to the beautiful gate, and they heal the... Or, or actually God uses them to see the lame man healed. And this results in them preaching some more and more people getting saved. And as a result, the I'll just start in, in 4, verse 1. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead... And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So Jesus had told them to go and preach the gospel, and some people didn't like it. I mean, there's always people that aren't going to like it. And so they took them into custody. But actually, it turned out to be a wonderful opportunity for Peter to share the gospel with these folks again. And then they had they didn't like what they were doing the the chief priests and and the uh religious leaders didn't like what they were doing but they knew that the people had seen a great miracle and they couldn't do anything to John and Peter and the disciples at this point so they kind of gave them a talking to and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. So they're asking them to go against the direct command of the Lord. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. So that was how they handled that situation, where the will of God crosses governmental authorities We go with God. Now, there are many times in the book of Acts where this sort of thing happened. In this case, they let them go. But in some cases, they were imprisoned, they were killed, but they were still willing to obey God even when the governing authorities didn't like it or tried to silence them, and they really weren't very successful in silencing them because the church just grew in leaps and bounds. And in many cases, the Lord delivered them too, you know. But what I wanted to really get at is not just how we act outwardly, but what is the attitude of our heart towards authority. I think that is the whole crux of the matter and going back to first peter this is where i kind of ended up last time i was here speaking first peter 2 i'm going to go to and i'm going to verse 21 so it says for to this you were called because christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So this would be Jesus going to the cross, and he knew he was going to the cross. He wasn't trying to get out of it. He wasn't trying to uh, come up with a defense, even though he had one, even though he was innocent. He wasn't trying to get away. So he, he had people insulting him, beating him, but he didn't revile in return. He didn't try and get even. He didn't threaten them. And, but it says, he committed himself to him who judges righteously. And I think that's a huge key right there, is committing yourself to God. And he he had such a, a pure heart in this matter that even on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for what they know, not what they do. I mean, not only did he not want to revile and insult them, but he wanted the very best for them. He knew they didn't know what they were doing, and his desire was that they would be saved, and that's why he was going through all of this and taking the beating and and the crucifixion and the pain and the suffering for us because of his love and mercy and grace. So he is our example here. Now I'm going to go to chapter 3. This is what I I want to get to now. It says, in this case, they're talking about wives, but it could be other situations where you're submitted to authority. Wives, likewise... Likewise, like Jesus, who didn't revile or insult, but committed himself to the Lord, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear... Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So when I used to read this in the Bible, <laughs> my husband can probably attest to this, but <laughs> I did not have the, 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 the gentle and quiet spirit. Um. (laughs) Did somebody say something out there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I I said, Lord, it's, it's precious in your sight. I want to have that. How do you get that? And it took me a while. But as we study and meditate the word and pray about and ask for revelation, he will give it to you. And so, I just want to talk about that tonight. In this particular situation, it's not maybe the same in every situation, but in the husband and wife situation, God doesn't want us nagging our husbands, and He doesn't maybe want us manipulating them with our outward appearance, although we should look good, I guess. but, But it's our character. It's that meek and quiet spirit, because that person is trusting God. They've entrusted them, their self, their husband, their situation to God. And so it gives God opportunity to act. Instead of trying to make things happen yourself, getting angry and getting nowhere, just making things worse. It's a hard thing to learn, but I'm learning it. Is that right, Dave? Would you say I'm learning? (laughs) No comment? Okay. (laughs) Anyways that is a very very important lesson to learn and we can all learn it in in relationship especially to submitting to authority because a lot of times we just get a little rebellious when people we think are telling us what to do and we don't like it and there are a couple scriptures i want to look at one is first peter 5 and this is really again a key to having that meek and quiet spirit. So I'm going to 1 Peter 5, in verses 5 and 6. So it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So the the key here is to really come to God. Humble yourself. You may have to do some repenting. You may have to do some forgiving. But it says he will give you grace. He resists you if you don't. You don't want God resisting you. But he gives you grace in these situations, grace to to handle the opposition. And even uh, there are cases, of course, where people are coming against you unfairly and unjustly. But God can act on your behalf if you humble yourself before him. And we see the same thing in James 4. It's worth having a look at. It's just a few pages back. And verse 6, 7, and 8, it says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So here he says he'll give you more grace. It's always good to have more grace to handle these situations. And I know we already looked at um, the example of Jesus. There's lots of examples in the Bible, and I'm not going to go through all of them tonight. But one I always uh, a kind of admire, again, it's it's a wife, or a wi- a soon-to-be wife, called Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, and in Matthew 1... Um, I just want to turn there and look at the situation she was in. I think I think she's a, a wonderful example of this. We know that uh, she was visited by the angel Gabriel, and she was offered the assignment to be the mother of the Son of God, and she accepted the assignment. And... Probably that assignment was going to have a lot of challenges with it, but she just accepted it and and decided to trust God. And the angel also told her that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant. Now, this was a big secret. Nobody knew this. But the angel told her the secret, so she went straight away to see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, recognized by the Spirit of God that was in her womb in John the Baptist, that she was the mother of her Lord. So she spent three wonderful months with Elizabeth, probably both enjoying being pregnant together with these very important men. But she had to go back home. And how do you tell the man you're betrothed to the circumstances of your pregnancy? And I don't think she tried to tell him. I don't think she said anything. That uh, You may think differently. I don't think she said anything. So, in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So, poor Joseph, he didn't know what was going on. And he he probably felt really bad. He he was probably looking forward to marrying Mary, and now he couldn't. And he could have done a lot worse, but he just wanted to quietly put her, her away because it says he was a just man. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So he followed the leading of God here and listened to the angel, and he jumped right in and he married Mary. So God took care of Mary here, and God was going to take care of her many other times in the future as well. But she had to just entrust herself to God and trust that, you know, here I am, this young girl, becoming the mother of the Son of God, the Messiah. I mean, what an awesome responsibility. But both Mary and Joseph accepted the assignment, and they had to just be trusting God to do this. Because imagine having to raise the Son of God eh? and get it right. (laughs) Whoa. And even later on, we read about Jesus himself when he was 12 years old, and he went to Jerusalem to the feast with his family, and he stayed behind for three days. And then when they found him, Mary kind of gave him a bit of a talking to and said, you know, son, how could you do this to us? We were worried about you. And probably as a 12-year-old kid, he might not have had the maturity to understand how a parent would be concerned about that. So it said after that that he submitted himself to his parents. Even though he was the son of God, he submitted himself to his parents, and he honored his mother and father. So that's another reason why God could use him, because he had to learn to submit at that level so that he could submit to his father in heaven. So I'm just going to uh, leave it there. I was thinking, you know, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Paul was teaching on Psalm 37, which is just an awesome psalm. And there's so much in that psalm that really goes, I think, right along with what I've been talking about tonight. And I just wanted to pick out a few key verses because they're so good. Um, Psalm 37, verse 5, it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So, if you think you've been hard done by somebody, um, commit it to the Lord. And trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. It says in verse 9 For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. In verse 11, But the meek shall inherit the earth and delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. And the last two verses are just the grand finale. It says, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. So to finish off tonight, I thought what I would do is just pray and lead us in prayer. Maybe we can just do some business with God tonight regarding these issues. Maybe you've already done this, and so you're good. But maybe the people out there in live stream land, they haven't. So I'm just going to pray um, along the lines of the things I've taught tonight. We're going to humble ourselves before the Lord. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we're so thankful that all of our sins have been remitted by the blood of Christ. And you've said that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So tonight, Lord, we ask you to search our hearts and show us if there are any areas in our heart we are where we are holding unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or even a rebellious spirit against anyone who's been authority in our lives maybe especially our parents maybe it was a teacher or a relative someone older than us maybe even a pastor or some, even the government Father, we come and ask you to forgive us for judging people and holding and harboring this bitterness in our hearts. And tonight, Lord, we want to let it go. We forgive. We extend forgiveness. You said in, in the Lord's Prayer that we, are, we want our trespasses to be forgiven, and you want us to forgive the trespasses of others. So we do that tonight. We forgive Because some people just don't know what they're doing, Lord. And we don't want to judge them. We don't know why they do the things they do, but we forgive. And we also humble ourselves before you. And we ask, Lord, that you would pour out your grace on us, that you would give us that more grace. And we invite you into our situations where we need justice, where we need to see things turn around where we need reconciliation of relationships. We submit these situations to you, Lord. And if there's anything that we are to do or are to say, please show us what they are and give us the wisdom to speak and act with that gentle and quiet spirit that is of great value in your sight. And so we commit these things to you tonight, Lord. We thank you for revealing these things to us. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.